Welcome to the database. You are listening to Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, and I'll be providing you with an awesome opportunity. Now you might be thinking, wait one second. I thought an awesome opportunity was the title for the Shear series designated for the Amim No Royim, the Yemei Ratzon. So why is it that I am now recording an awesome opportunity from the inside of a sukkah? And I'll answer that question, as Jews love to do, with another question. And that is, why are we still reciting the Kapitel of Tehillim known as L'David Hashem Ori? We began reciting L'David Hashem Ori, the beginning of Chodesh Elul, and that Kapitel of Tehillim has been ending off our davening from then all the way through Rosh Hashanah, through Yom Kippur, and it hasn't stopped. We continue to say L'David Hashem Ori until the end of Sukkot. It's not until the final moments of Shemini Atzeres that we stop saying L'David Hashem Ori. And the question is, what is the significance of L'David Hashem Ori to these particular times? Now, you might be familiar with the Medrash that is quoted in many places, among them the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, that explains the significance of L'David Hashem Ori for these times that we are in, not just Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but apparently the extended Yom Noroyim, which might go through to the end of Sukkot. And that is because, on the one hand, we say, L'david Hashem Ori, that Hashem is Ori, Hashem is my light, says the Medrash, where is that? When is that? On Rosh Hashanah, Hashem wakes us up to the light of day. We see the air of our ways. We understand who He is. We understand where we are holding. That is on Rosh Hashanah, that Hashem is our light. But Hashem is not just our light, but L'david Hashem Ori V'yish'i. He is also our source of salvation. And when is that, asks the Medrash? That is on Yom Kippur. And on Yom Kippur, after Hashem has forgiven us for our averos, hopefully has written us up for a good year, removing the sword from our necks, perhaps the noose from around our necks, and now Hashem has become our source of salvation. But it does not end there, because if you look later, in that capital, the Midrash tells us that not only is Hashem Ori Vishi, but Ki Itzpaneni Besuko. But Hashem has hidden us and sheltered us in his sukkah. And there you have it. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Ori, Yishi, and Yitzbineni Basuko. But this Midrash just makes us wonder if we are painting the, the target around the arrow, or if perhaps there is some intrinsic significance, a connection between the times that we are in right now, at the moment of this recording, Sukkot, and the days prior, the Yom of Nerayim, the days of awe and the Yom Ratz and the days of opportunity, the days of goodwill and chance. And if we consider what it is that we ask Hashem for in L'David Hashem Ori, I think we could find the answer to our questions. That is because although we know that on the one hand these days that we have survived are the Yom Nerayim, they are frightening days of awe, but as we keep on saying, they are also Yom Ratz and days of opportunity. We said, Dear Shu Hashem, Himatzo, that we should seek out Hashem when He is close. And of course, that is the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And if these days have been days of closeness, so what is it that we ask Hashem for on these days? Achas sha'alti meis Hashem One thing that I ask of Hashem that I will seek, shifti beveis Hashem kol I would love the opportunity to be able to sit in Hashem's house all the days of my life. Hashem, to be able to witness and to see the pleasantness, the sweetness of Hashem, to be able to visit His sanctuary. 
it's a tall order. It's a, it's it's something that we are asking for, which perhaps may seem a little bit unrealistic to be able to sit in Hashem all the days of our lives. Is that something that we can really do? And perhaps when we are inspired, when we are feeling it on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, um, those very high moments, those lofty moments, where perhaps we think we can do anything, we can commit to anything, we can reach for the stars and soar in our Avodah Hashem, and then a couple of days after, reality hits us, and then where are we all of a sudden after the height of the Yamim Narayim? Maybe when you're standing through a long Rosh Hashanah davening and through an even longer Yom Kippur davening, at the time we hit Ne'ilah, we feel as though we could stay here our entire lives, and then we wonder afterwards, can we really keep it up? And do we really seek to be in Hashem's house all the days of our lives? That's something that we can really accomplish. Did we even really mean it when we asked for it, that one thing that we ask for? And I believe that Sukkot is really the answer to that question. How badly do we really want it? And can we really be in Hashem's house all the days of our lives? You see, because on a regular day of our lives, life pulls us in many different directions. We have many different responsibilities. It's interesting to note that the Mishnah in Yoma points out that those who were able to see the Kohen reading the Torah on Yom Kippur were unable to see the Karbonus being slaughtered. And those who were able to see the Karbonus being slaughtered, they were unable to hear the Kriya Satora. They were unable to witness the Kriya Satora of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. And the Mishnah tells us that this is not because you weren't allowed to look at both at the same time, but because you physically were not able to. The space wasn't great enough. The, the, the time didn't allow for it because they were happening simultaneously. And it makes you wonder, why couldn't more space be made? There were many miracles that took place in the base of Mikdash. Who said that the two practices had to be done simultaneously? But I think the push-up shot answer is reality, that there is a level of reality where we cannot accomplish everything we would like to. And sometimes we need to be with our families. Sometimes we need to be at work. Sometimes we need to be with our constituents, whatever line of work we, in fact, engage in. And sometimes, and perhaps on only rare moments, are we actually able to be in the base Hashem, in the base Midrash, in the base HaKnesses, to be in Hashem's house every moment of our lives that we would like to be. But on Sukkot, we are Zoha to be able to sit in a Mikdash Ma'at. Yes, in a certain sense, our shuls are a Mikdash Ma'at, a base Midrash is a Mikdash Ma'at, and our homes are supposed to be a base, a base of Mikdash as well, a Mikdash Ma'at in our own homes. But in a, in a similarly profound way, Chal Shem Shemayim on a Sukkah. The Shem Shemayim, the Shechina, is Shruya on the Sukkah. That the Sukkah also is a Mikdash. Harachamani Yakim Lanu is Sukkos David Hanafalis. The base of Mikdash is a Sukkah. The Sukkah is the base of Mikdash. Sukkah corresponds to the building of the Mishkan and the building of the base of Mikdash. It was in history when we, the Ananiya Kavad returned, the cloud returned, when Hashem's Shechina was Shora on the Mishkan. And the Mishnah and Sukkahs as well, the Mishnah and Sukkah tells us. What are we supposed to do on Sukkot? That we're supposed to be tsei midiras keva. That we're supposed to leave our diras keva, our permanent homes, and we're supposed to enter the diras arai, such that the sukkah, which is the diras arai, that should become our diras keva, and our homes, they should become the diras arai. In this way, Sukkot is the barometer. It is the art stick. It is the true measure for knowing if we really meant it when we said, How much time do you spend in your sukkah? Is the time that is spent in your sukkah time that is arai, that is temporary, that is transient? Or is the time spent in your sukkah time that is keva? It is permanent. It is solid. It is set that this is truly where you wish to be. Eating, sleeping, learning, 
just hanging out in the sukkah, just to be with Hashem. Do you truly desire to be Beves Hashem, Kol Yemei Do you truly yearn for every waking moment of opportunity of closeness for, with Hashem? No, perhaps we can't do it all year round, but we have the opportunity, seven days, perhaps eight days, to be in the confines of a sukkah. Mamish Beves Hashem. And that is an indicator of how every single day of the rest of our lives truly is. When we are not Beveinaz Manim, but we are in our regular lives, do we truly yearn to be Beveis Hashem? Because even if we can't literally be there all the times of our lives, every moment, but the question is when we are there, when we are in the base Medrash, when we are in the base Knesset, is that a time that is Kavua, or is that a time that is Arai? We demonstrate whether it is or isn't, or what it is and isn't, when we are there, how are we treating the time that is in there? Is that time that is sacred, or is it time that's inconsequential? Tr- the truth is that keva and arai, the shifti v'veis Hashem kolei is really a mindset. It's not necessarily a reality of where you can be at every single moment in time, but again, it is a perspective. It is your own shaping of how you are when you are engaged in the world, whatever you are doing in life, whether you're at work or you're at home, whether you're in the base magic and the base Knesset, or whether you are outside it. You have the opportunity to determine for yourself if the time spent wherever it is, is that time that is keva, is the time that you're sitting on your couch and doing nothing, or doing something worse, is that time that is keva, or is that the time that is Arai? And the moments that you spend in the base measures, the moments that you are Beveis Hashem, are you truly in it? Are you Beveis Hashem? Or are you somewhere else? It turns out that if you have the proper mindset, the yearning for closest to Hashem, then you can live Beveis Hashem kol yimei So we should be Zoha to that closeness with Hashem, to be able to fulfill for ourselves, Shifti Beveis Hashem kol yimei chayai, Hashem